Hello, everyone. This is Mike Linstead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today I'm here with my ministry partner, my friend, and my pastor, Mr. Chad Wiles. Chad, how you doing? Doing good, man. Grateful to be here and grateful that we get to serve our community um, through the Word of God. Yeah. We're going to be talking about a pretty heavy topic today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're probably going to do a few podcasts on this. But before we get into that, I just want to give y'all listeners out there a business update. As far as our podcast is concerned, we have surpassed uh, 41,000. I'm sorry, I wish, 40. 4,100 downloads since we started this podcast uh, last year in September, I believe, September or um, October. Uh, but yeah, we are, we're, you know, putting out our content for the listeners mm-hmm. twice a week and y'all are listening, which we are yes. so grateful and humbled um, about that. Uh, we've also released on our social media sites, um, the announcement that we are now opening up our studio to record individuals who want to start their own podcasts or business leaders out there, ministry leaders that want to have their own podcasts. And so yeah. we have opened up those services. If you want to see the prices for all that, go to our Facebook page. I just put up a video explaining what services that we offer and the prices associated. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've got some great news just on that front. Yeah. Um, we're going to continue to do this podcast for as long as the Lord would let us do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if it's benefiting you out there, listener, please share this pot, these podcasts with your friends, your family, your business associates, your, your ministry friends, whoever, Mm -hmm. just share them with the people in your life because we do this to educate and encourage. Right. And so today we're going to educate a little bit, um, on a heavy topic. We're going to be talking about pornography. Mm -hmm. Now, pornography is, um, unfortunately, something that is all too common in our society, our day and age. Yeah. We are a sexualized culture. Mm-hmm. It and, is pervasive. And it's not uncommon. If you read through scriptures, uh, when societies get further and further away from God, you see uh, sexualization and perversion happen every single time. Mm-hmm. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis. You look at the end of Judges. You can look at Romans 1. Yeah. Um, all these are great examples of the culture rejected God, didn't want God, didn't follow God the way he commanded, and end up with sexual immorality, perversion of all kinds. Yes. And so the manifestation of that in our culture today is pornography Mm -hmm. primarily. And um, before we get into what the Bible has to say um, Mm -hmm. about pornography, about sexual lust, about the perverseness of... um, sex outside of God's mm-hmm. design for it. Um, Chad and I believe that it would just be good to bring up some alarming statistics. Yeah. Now, our goal is not to shock you for, for shock value's sake. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to fill in yeah. the knowledge that is out there and yeah. sort of educate y'all on this. Well, because many of us, unfortunately, kind of act as... Uh, uh, the the is it the ostrich that puts his head in the sand? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so for many, we ignore the fact that it's a big deal. For a lot, are many are partaking in pornography themselves, and and saying to themselves, "It's not that big a deal. I'm not hurting anyone." There's a lot of that kind of mentality, right? And so, um, 
our, our goal with these statistics are not to shock you, as Mike said, but to bring about reality, right. the reality of this issue in our culture. Right. So I'm going to read from uh, fightthenewdrug.org, fightthenewdrug.org. These first <clears throat> statistics that I'm going to read are all found on that website, mm-hmm. fightthenewdrug.org. Before I get into the stats, I just want to read some real-life tweets that are out there floating around on the Twitter universe. Okay. And they're found on this website. Um, and the reason I want to do this is is to, to again, show you how porn is even viewed by members of this society. Yeah. And I'm not going to list the names. They're actually blurred out. So these are just the quotes. These are real tweets. Mm-hmm. Number one, porn doesn't play games. Porn doesn't text back. Porn respects and gives you exactly what you want. I, I love you, porn. The next one says, I love strippers, cam girls, and porn stars. Don't ever think I don't. With a little heart emoji. Next one says, my Tumblr is 50% porn, 50% being a band fangirl. What more could you want? Follow me. The next one says, I do love good porn. Good night, folks. The next one says, I love when I'm on Tumblr in class and porn shows up on my dash. The next one says, Twitter has become my one-stop shop for everything from networking to porn. What more could a girl want? The next one and final one says, oh, so much porn. I love the internet. Hmm. Wow. These are real-life tweets unashamedly saying, oh, I love it. I just can't get enough of it. I'm so thankful for it. Mm -hmm. It gives me everything I want. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, our society has accepted this to the the degree that that now it's seen as normal, okay, just a lifestyle choice, whatever you want, it's all good, you know. Mm-hmm. You but know, there's a, there's a lot of destruction that comes from this that, that you're going to get to here. In just we're going to talk about everything from how this destroys the family to human mm-hmm. trafficking, et cetera, et cetera. So here are 20 statistics that might surprise you. Again, right. found on fightthenewdrug.org. Number one, according to a recent report by the BBFC, of parents believe their children had never encountered porn, but of those children, 53% reported that they had, in fact, seen porn. Mm -hmm. 75% of adults, of parents, believe their their kids had never seen it. Of those 75%, 53% of those children reported they actually had. So what does that break down to? About 25% were, were right? No, twenty five percent had not seen. That's what I'm before. saying. We're we're right about oh, their yes, kids you're not correct. seeing it. Yeah. So wow. that, yeah, it's pretty alarming. Yep. Second one, according to research by the NSPCC. Now, just quick side note about all of these acronyms here. <laughs> these are large organizations that are listed again on the new drug, the fight yeah. the new drug.org. I'm just gonna say the acronyms. So let's get back to that. Number two, according to the research by the NSPCC of the adolescents who had been exposed to porn, twenty-eight were first exposed by accident. 19% were unexpectedly shown pornography by someone else. Mm. And only 19% searched for it intentionally. Yeah. Right? So your child might be going about their day and their friend goes, look what I saw. Mm -hmm. Okay, number three, despite the fact that porn can be wildly unrealistic and often glorifies violence, sexism, or racism, one recent survey found that over half of boys, 53%, and over a third of girls, 39%, reported believing that pornography was a realistic depiction of sex. Hmm. It was a realistic depiction. This is how sex is. Yeah, and just a side note on that, you know, anecdotally as a biblical counselor and 
and do mar- and I do a lot of marriage counseling, this causes a ton, a ton of destruction For within sure. the marriage. Moving on, number four says a Swedish study of 18-year-old males found that frequent consumers of pornography were significantly more likely to have sold and bought sex than other boys of the same age. Number five, a 2015 meta-analysis of 22 studies from seven countries found that internationally the consumption of pornography was significantly associated with increases in sexual aggression, both verbally and physically among males and females alike. Number six, a UK survey found that 44% of males aged 11 to 16 who consumed pornography reported that online pornography gave them ideas about the type of sex they wanted to try. 11 to 16 years old. Hmm. Number seven, consistent with other research on the topic, one study showed that almost half, 46.9%, of those surveyed said their porn tastes slash preferences escalated to the point of them being interested in more extreme pornography that had previously disinterested or even disgusted them. That sounds a little bit like a um, mm-hmm. tolerance. Oh, yeah. Verse, sure. uh, not verse 8, number 8. As, a, as of April 2021, according to an analysis of the most trafficked websites worldwide, two porn sites are the top 10 most visited sites with a third of porn, with a third porn site coming in at 13th. Wow, so two of these porn sites mm. are doing, are, are the most trafficked, most trafficked, most visited websites. Yeah. Wow. Number nine, according to the data from the SMA, SEM Rush Traffic Analytics Tool, as of May 2021, porn sites received more website traffic in the U.S. than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm. Y'all out there listening, this is the first time I'm reading these too. So, I mean, this is... Yeah. Wow. And that's May 2021. Porn sites received more website traffic in the United States combined. of America than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. And then just think about how much a day you check your Facebook, your Instagram, and you watch Netflix. You probably do that every... Most most people do that every day. Every day. Yeah. And wow, porn is more even combined. Yeah. That means that the same amount of people are also every day... Multiple times. Multiple times looking at porn websites. Number 10, the term teen is one of the most consistently popular porn themes. And research shows that Mm. this theme is one, becoming increasingly popular, Mm. and two, includes the portrayal of underage characters. Wow. The term teen is one of the most consistently popular porn themes. I don't know if you're going to hit this stat or not because I haven't... I'm listening to these for the first time because I wanted the same kind of impact. Yeah. But back uh, in my early days, in my early 20s, I worked for, in Kentucky, I worked for an organization called Prevent Child Abuse Kentucky. Mm. And we had a conference and some FBI agents came who, they were they were the ones who find predators, you mm-hmm, know, and, mm-hmm. they, and I literally sat in a room with them while they were chatting with people as kids yeah. to catch the predators. And they told me that the majority of these people didn't start out being attracted to little kids or mm. being attracted to underage. That's what that was. They started out said. with normal, yeah, just normal, casual porn watching, and it 
And it's one of those things where you got to feed the beast, right? Like, right. like just like a drug. That's what number seven said here. It says that you you start out mm-hmm. with something quote unquote lighter, and then according to this, almost half of those surveyed said that their porn porn tastes escalated to the point of them being interested in more extreme pornography. Right. So then combine that with what you just said about the most. Right. Is teen. Teen. So think about that, parents. So it goes younger and younger and younger and younger. Think about that. That's disgusting. Number 11, one review of 20 studies on the topic found that teen pornography consumption negatively impacts adolescence, self-esteem, and mental health. Wow. Wow. Well, what do we see in the mental health realm right now? Mm-hmm. Right? Especially in younger people, man. It's just depressed, anxious, mm-hmm. suicidal, yeah. full of grief. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. All right, number 12. In 2018, 45 million images, 45 million images of child sexual abuse material, sometimes referred to as child porn, were reported. Mm -hmm. 45 million images, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. In 2019, that number jumped up to 69.1 million. Mm -hmm. Number 13. According to a 2020 survey, approximately 45% of teens who consume porn did so in part to learn about sex hmm. they're going there to learn yes i want to learn about sex i want to go to a porn site yeah that's going to teach me about sex that's where i'm going to learn for maybe the first time yeah. ever what real sex is that's that's the mindset that's like learning about life from a marvel movie right it's not real no it's not how it works no no social media has become the learning place for our teenagers yeah, it terrible. is, and, it, and it, you an can see pornography on, on Instagram. It's yeah. on there. It's on. It's on all these things, right? And there's a, there's a lot of holes in our parenting and in our society, you right? Know. Yeah, I mean, look that that. Well, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but I mean, yeah. it's really easy, and I'm speaking to myself here mm-hmm. too as well. It's really easy to go, they're the problem, or it's right. this that, that's this this one side is the problem. Right. No, it's not. I mean, that's part of it, right? Right. But, That's part of it, but we got to put some responsibility on us as parents. We have to, and as a society, because if you're listening to this and you're saying, this is awful, I can't believe it. Yeah. These things only grow because it's being consumed. Right. Right? Like the types of movies that we watch, the type of TV shows we watch, the the people out there who are making movies and stuff, it's a business. They give the people what they want. Right. So if you're saying, I can't believe this exists, well, exists because people make a lot of money from it. Yeah, according to these stats, business is booming. Yeah. Especially with the lockdowns and everything, people are isolated, alone at home with their smartphones. Right. They're watching porn <laughs> more than ever. Oh, yeah. All right, number 14. The Internet Watch Foundation recently reported that during 2020, approximately 44% of all child sexual abuse material reported to the IWF involved self-generated material. The IWF is the Internet Watch Foundation. They recently reported during 2020 approximately 44% of all child sexual abuse, abuse material involved self-generated material. That's a 16% increase from 2019 when only a third of reports involved self-generated imagery. So People are putting this on. They're, they're taking pictures of themselves. Right. And putting, putting it up willingly. They're doing it. Self-generated. Yeah. Not being forced to do this, paid to do this, you mm-hmm. know, by, by a business or whatever. They're doing it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's attention-seeking to the nth degree. Well, look, so let's follow what we've re- learned so far just logically mm-hmm. through. If I'm a teenager mm-hmm. and I'm one of those who's going to a porn site to learn about sex, uh, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a, a, a young male, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I see what's happening in this. 
and I'm taking things in. I'm learning about, oh, this is how men get women. This is how men please women. This is yeah. how men are men manly, right? Right, right? So then I'm gonna start to emulate those things that I desire, right? right? So that just is a logical outflow of this. If we're going to learn about sex from a porn site, well, you know, uh, the, the, the learner is always gonna become like their teacher. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's just natural outflow. Even Jesus says, you know, the disciples not above his teacher, right? They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. That's the relationship, right? The mm-hmm. master teaches the, the learner. The learner does what the master teaches them. So if the master is the porn site and the child's the learner, mm-hmm. they're going to do what the, what the master's teaching them. Right. Number 15, of domestic minor trafficking victims who had been forced into porn production, the average age they began being filmed was 12.8 mm. Years old of domestic minor trafficking victims who had been forced into porn production, the average age they began being filmed was 12.8 years old. Yeah, middle, sc- middle school age. 16. Porn is a global estimated $97 billion industry, with about 12 billion of that coming from the United States of America. Mm. So let me get my calculator out. I'm going to figure out the percentage of that <laughs> because uh, math is not a strong suit of mine here. This is happening 12. in real time. This is happening in real time. So that's 12, roughly 13% uh, of, of, the, of all of the money coming from the United States that goes into the global porn industry, 13%. Mm. Uh, number 17, in 2019 alone, the equivalent of nearly 6,650 centuries of porn was consumed on one of the world's largest porn sites. The equivalent of nearly 6,650 centuries of yeah. porn. That's the amount of time that was being watched on one of the world's largest porn sites. One of those top two. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Number 18, one out of every eight porn titles shown to first-time users on, on porn homepages described acts of sexual violence. Number 19, according to Pornhub's analytics, the term lesbian was the most searched for porn term on the site in 2018. In 2019, it was the term Japanese. In the final one, number 20, surveys result, survey results show that one in four 18 to 24 year olds listed pornography as the most helpful source to learn how to have sex. Hmm. That is 24.5% of 18 to 24 year olds are continuing that trend of learning about sex from a porn site. So we see mm-hmm. just based off these, number one, that having our head stuck in the sand mm-hmm. um, is a great thing for the porn industry. Oh, yeah. Because they are loving this. Oh, they're thriving. They are making more money than they've ever made in their life. Because they're, they're not having any opposition. Zero opposition, it seems. But I know that actually that there's a lot of um, organizations like the one right. I'm reading from now that are that are you know bringing light to this, right? Yeah. So I speak in hyperbole there. But but in, but in the, the world at large. $97 billion um, industry. It's a ton of money. So obviously the opposition is not large enough to make a dent. Right. And this is not, this isn't, this is just looking at the, the, we'll call commercial porn. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about the human trafficking industry, which I want to talk about next. Okay. This is uh, from the website safehorizon.org. Human trafficking, uh, a definition is the practice of exploiting adults and children for use as commodities or objects in conditions of sexual and labor servitude, 
also known as modern slavery. Mm -hmm. Human trafficking is the illegal trade in human beings through recruitment or abduction by means of force, fraud, or coercion mm -hmm. for the purposes of forced labor, debt bondage, or sexual exploitation. Now, we read from <clears throat> fightthenewdrug.org that, that the average age in which these trafficking victims begin being filmed is 12.8 year, uh, years old. 12.8. This is They're going in as children and they're being filmed here. Mm. Um, man, this is just a lot of, a lot of stuff to take in. Um, I want to read some more statistics here about uh, the human trafficking industry as a whole. Um, again, from safehorizon.org. National human trafficking statistics. Here it is. 24.9 million people are victims of forced labor. 16 million people are trafficked for forced labor in the private economy, oh, no. which includes private individuals, groups, or companies in all sectors except the commercial sex industry. So that 16 million out of the 24.9 million are not in the private sex industry. This, these are for other things. 4.8 million people are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation. Mm. 4.8 million people every day, constantly throughout the day, are being forced to have sex with the highest paying individual. Mm. 4.1 million people are trafficked for forced labor in state-imposed forced labor. It is estimated that 20.9 million people are trafficked worldwide. Women and girls are disproportionately affected by human trafficking, accounting for 71% of all victims. 71% of all victims. Mm. And a final sex trafficking stat, 3.8 million adults are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation and 1.0 million children are trafficked for commercial sexual mm. exploitation. Yeah. So it's not just people making a career out of this because that's what they want to do. Yeah, which is a conventional belief. One of the reasons, one of the things of, of the head in the sand belief to make us feel better about it for those who do partake in pornography. I've, I've met with and helped many out of this. And usually at first their thought was, hey, I'm not hurting anybody. You know, they enjoy it. Like they chose this career you know, all those kind of like right. justifications. Yep. The reality is, no, many of them didn't. And even the ones who did choose it, if you really look at the background, many of them have backgrounds of physical abuse, sexual abuse. Like if you go to a strip club or if you go to porn, most of those people have a, a history of abuse. They don't value themselves in the way that God values them as a created being by God yeah. and, and the and the respect that they should have for themselves. Yeah. They they feel a lot of shame and they're doing this out of shame. Yeah, just segueing now into, we're gonna look at what the Bible has to say. Mm -hmm. um, but we're gonna talk about the the topic of lust and I'm gonna, you know, Chad's gonna lead us into that. But yeah. when, an, when we, just I'll use the term we, when anyone, um, you know, goes to a porn site or even just in the fantasies of their own mind, mm -hmm. right? Takes a, a, another human being yeah. who is made in the image of God and strips them of that dignity yeah. and then uses them as a commodity to mm -hmm. fulfill their own pleasure yeah. and their own sexual desires. 
This is sin. Yeah, you're this tu- is sin. you are turning someone else into the same thing as a drug addict would view a drug, a person would view a cheeseburger. It is something that I get to use to satisfy myself. It's just I have this craving, and I don't care about that person. I just want what they can do to satisfy my craving. It is dehumanizing them. 100%. And the same, the same tactic is has been used in slavery. Absolutely. In anything, really. I mean, any sinful act towards another created human being. Right. Um, and it's a necessary thing that one has to do in order to overstep the fact of what they're really doing. Yeah. In order to justify it, in order to make themselves feel better yeah. about it. Um, and that's what we do with our sin, mm-hmm. is we always equivocate, we always justify, we always yeah. you know, protect the in, me, the individual, mm-hmm at the expense of them, the other right. individual. And, by the way, when you yourself partake in debauchery, it is sin against God, but you're also dehumanizing yourself. Mm. Like, you're not you're not walking under the dignity of being a, a created yeah. male or female by the king and God of the universe. Right. You're completely dehumanizing yourself down to just someone who lives life to fulfill pleasure. That's it. That's it. That's it. There um, is so much that the Bible has to say on this. Um, but the, the scripture that just came into my mind, and then Chad, mm-hmm. why don't you lead us into our outline here. Yeah. But on the note that Chad just said, you know, when you sin sexually, you're sinning mm-hmm. against yourself as well. First yeah. Corinthians chapter 6, verse mm-hmm. 18, the Apostle Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual, sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Mm-hmm. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, right. whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Right. So glorify God in your body. And then he goes into talking about the mm-hmm. principles of marriage. That's right. That's right. So lead Absolutely. us into this outline here on the lust of the flesh. So... Um, the category that pornography sits in biblically, obviously we see explicitly sexual immorality being talked about, like 1 Corinthians, but there's a category in Scripture that's brought up a lot, and that's the idea of lust or lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, what we talk about today, we're, we're, we're honing in specifically on sexual immorality and pornography in the lust of the flesh, mm-hmm. but you can take what we talk about and you could insert in drugs, alcohol, food, money, the idea of just satisfying cravings. Yeah. So the the principles that we're going to teach here are going to be helpful beyond just pornography. Yeah. But we're going to we're going to hone in specifically on pornography. So right. lust of the flesh, the biblical explanation, lust comes from the Greek term that we see in the New Testament called epithumia. Mm -hmm. I think it's how you say that. Mm -hmm. It means to have a strong desire that is focused on satisfaction or attaining what is desired. Mm -hmm. We see this in 1 John um, 15 through 17, and it talks about the, I'll just paraphrase it, but the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, you know, Mm -hmm. the pride of life. Right. Um, And so this word, epithumia, is used in a good way in Scripture as well as in a bad way. In the good senses, we see, that it's a desire for righteousness. There's mm. there's multiple places where it's a good thing, like First Timothy three one, like it's a good desire to to strive to be in the office of an elder. Like that's yeah. a good thing. I'll read Proverbs ten twenty four. Yeah, uh, it, you know that's what we have here on the outline. Mm-hmm. 
what the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Right. So that idea of desire there is a good thing. And once again, going back to that definition, a strong desire that is focused on satisfaction or attaining what is desired. It is good and right to pursue righteousness in that way, yeah. right? to pursue the Lord in that way. But when the word is used in a negative sense, it's always and usually termed evil desire or lust. Yeah. So lust of the flesh, let's give a definition. Yeah. Lust is nothing more than evil desire looking for fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It is only looking for self-satisfaction. The lust of the flesh can involve any of the bodily appetites and members. But the eyes are usually the initial agent for men. For women, the gateway tends to be emotions, although they are also um, driven uh, physically. Yeah. So we see a few warnings of lust in Scripture. I've got them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, I'll read them uh, quickly, Mike. First mm-hmm. Thessalonians four five says, "Not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God." So when you are partaking in this 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 could be a sign that you don't even know god mm-hmm. right second timothy two twenty two. so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord from a pure heart flee from youthful passions and then titus 2 11 through 12 for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people Train us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives Mm -hmm. in the present age. Because we see this all throughout Scripture, this idea of lustful passion, youthful lust. So lustful thinking, we're going to camp here for a moment as we've defined that so we understand that it's self-satisfaction. It's pursuing ungodliness, unrighteousness to just satisfy self. So lustful thinking is the beginning of lustful habits always starts in our beliefs and our thoughts. The battle for faith is always in the mind. Throughout Scripture, when you see God speaking to his people, it's always meditate on my word, renew your mind, Mm -hmm. think about these things. Mm -hmm. It always starts at at the point of belief. This idea of whether or not you will pursue righteousness or you will pursue your own selfish fleshly lust happens in what you believe about life, about mm-hmm. God, and about yourself. Yeah. So this is one thing that we have to begin to understand biblically is that lustful flesh does not give up until it is either satisfied or mortified. That's a mm-hmm. really important point. Yes. The idea of ignoring, and it'll just go away. Yeah. The idea of procrastination with it, the idea of, I just turned a blind, you know, whatever. It's not that big. It's not true. If you want a graphic illustration of what Chad just said, go read the first six or seven books of the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. and you'll see a theme start to develop. You know, the whole conquest of the land of Canaan, for instance, where God's told the Israelite people, go in and eradicate the people that live there. Destroy them completely. Right. Leave nothing alive. You know, a lot of people use that and they go, well, how can a good loving God yeah. tell that to happen? Right. Or tell his people to do that. And how, how could he approve that mm-hmm. and let it happen? Right. And in Exodus, I can't find the exact scripture where it is, but I remember that it's in Exodus. God tells the people of Israel through Moses that the sin of the Amorites 
has reached its fil- fulfillment. Right. Meaning, they've those those people groups were around for for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Right. And they never did repent. They continually sinned. Mm-hmm. And so judgment, because God is a judge, the right. soul that sins must die. Yeah. Judgment came in the form of the Israelite people. Mm-hmm. And so they the problem was is that mm-hmm. the Israelites did not right. obey God. They did not destroy the people completely. Right. They let some of the people get away. They kept some of them alive. They took some of their women for as wives. And that was the problem throughout all of the Old Testament history books right. is that it was always remnants of the enemies of Israel mm-hmm. that they did not destroy right. that kept coming around and causing problems. Because to, to go with what you're saying, and, and Mike, I want you to answer this because we've talked about this before. What were the gods that those other people always worshipped? Yeah, there's two specific gods. Because the reason why God wanted to wipe out the whole nations is because they would turn their heart after these other gods. The first god that is mentioned um, is the god Molech, mm-hmm. sometimes called Chemosh. Um, the way that that god was worshipped was through child sacrifice. Okay, that's a yeah. quite that's a really self-serving. And remember form the of stats worship. we read earlier. What was the number one thing that was uh, searched right now in pornography? Teen. Now, th- why is that self-serving? Well, because the other god that was worshipped mm-hmm. most commonly was the god Astaroth. Yeah. And this god was worshipped through sexual orgies. You would go to, uh, you know, in, in ancient Israel, they had these these trees, these wooden poles up on high hills, yeah. and you'd find a, a prostitute there. Uh, she was a quote-unquote priest, yeah. but you would have sex with this with this prostitute yeah. in worship of the divine. You'd usually in, involved getting very drunk or taking some sort of drug to elevate, quote-unquote, yeah. your senses to the, to the realm of the gods, and then you would worship the god in this act of sexual expression. Yeah. This turned into orgies, and this, this did not stop in ancient Israel. We see the same thing happen in the Roman culture mm-hmm. when the church is birthed, um, but... The, the two primary gods that were worshipped by the surrounding nations in ancient Israel were Ashtaroth, Chemosh. There's other gods as well, but those two are the focal are our focus for our discussion today. Yeah. There was gods like you know Baal and other gods as well. But these two gods, Chemosh and Ashtaroth, were worshipped uh, in sexual ways mm-hmm. and then in, in ways of dealing with the products of those sexual experiences as unwanted children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, so... Look, God told his people, I'm going to deliver you into a land. This land is for you, but you must clear it right. of the sinful remnants that are there. Right. You must clear it completely. We can't have this other idol worship. Right. And so that is a graphic illustration of the, of the point that Chad's getting at is, mm-hmm. is that we cannot allow sin right. to fester in our mind or to go on undealt with. Mm-hmm. First of all, God hates it and he will have his bride Jesus will have his bride purified, okay? Number one, that's it. Number two, we will be ineffective in our ministry, whether we are quote-unquote in professional ministry. Right here in America, we like to to act like there's professional ministers and there's not. (laughs) But we've all been given a ministry by the Lord Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples of many nations, right? right? Teaching them the things that I taught you and baptizing them, right? Absolutely. we will not be effective in our mandate if mm-hmm. we are allowing sin to fester in our lives. Our, we will be 
if we're in ministry, disqualified from that ministry. And if mm. we're not in a quote unquote professional ministry, then we will be less effective, if effective at it all, at right. all in the right. ministry. Absolutely. So those are those are two primary reasons. This is enough. Yeah. There you is know? no neutral. Romans eight thirteen, Paul says it very clearly. If for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Yeah. It's a very black and white thing. God is always very clear when it comes to these issues of sin. There is no neutral. There is no neutral. There is no, I'm, I'm okay, I'm good enough. You're either moving towards the Lord, if you're a Christian, or you're pursuing righteousness, you're repenting of sin, you're growing deeper in your love for him, or you're going to the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. If you and, and stopping or being neutral or being... Um, someone who just ignores or or just pacifies sin is someone who is growing more and more in the world. There is no right. There is no black. There is no uh, neutral. You know they use this this terminology in the Bible in reference to sin. Mm-hmm. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's right. Right. Which you know leaven, if you're not familiar, would make things rise. It would make the mm-hmm. dough rise. And you only needed a little bit. Right. You can put in this big lump of dough and the whole thing would rise, right? Right, absolutely. That's the point. I, I want to make one more comment, Chad, before you move on, Please on do. just this idea of flesh. Um, I think we've already answered it pretty well, but just to kind of put my, put a stamp on it, it would be a mistake to think that the flesh um, is just talking about some, your physical body, right? Put mm-hmm. to death the flesh, right? Yeah. It says in Colossians 3, 5, right? Right. Yeah, Romans 13, you know, 14 says, make no provision for the flesh. It, it, I'm reading a couple books on church history mm-hmm. and in the early Holy Roman Empire, the aesthetic movement really grew because they thought this sinful bent must be stuck in my members, like in my mm-hmm. arms and my legs and my hips. and my. Yeah, they yeah. thought if I could just punish my flesh, it'll drive that sin out, right? right. That's not it. The, the term flesh is used of that in certain, in certain ways, mm-hmm. but that's not fully comprehensive. It, like you already mentioned, Chad, it's in the mind. It's, yeah. it's our humanness. It's our fallen humanness. Right. It's this desire to be gods of our own lives, yep. to use the resources that God has created for our own pleasure. That's right. Idolatry. It's a perversion. Yeah. It's an absolute perversion. Yeah. So continue on, Chad. Romans 13, I, I mentioned a second ago, but... I'll read 12 through 14. This gives a very clear statement of what God feels about sin and and especially uh, lust of the flesh. He says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. There's a war being waged and that war is in the mind and it comes out in our actions, Mm -hmm. right? If you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will want to follow him and you will fight um, diligently against your flesh. You will make no provision for it. You will make no excuses. And that leads us to our next point of really the mental environment that leads to the, the satisfaction of lust. First and foremost, victim mentality. Victim mentality. Mm-hmm. This is true of any lust of the flesh, drugs, anything else. Is It's my circumstances or, well, I couldn't help it. I was at the gym and I saw this girl and then I, you know, then I couldn't help think about it, so I went and looked at it. 
You are not a victim to your sin. You are choosing it. The late Ravi Zacharias, yeah. many of our Christian listeners probably have heard mm-hmm. the unfortunate reality. Right. But one of his excuses mm-hmm. for abusing all those women was that he was just on the road and ministry was so hard. Yeah. Ministry yeah. was so hard. I just hard. couldn't help it. I just, I just needed some, some relief. Right, and some, I know, you know some women that came out that, that would even he would even twist scripture and say, "You are God's gift for me." Yeah, wicked. Know, yeah, just but, wickedness. You know that just goes to show that it it can happen to anybody. It's Absolutely. it's not like you know if you're in the ministry, this this podcast is not for you. This topic is right. not for you. Yeah, this is something we're talking about. We're all equal to this battle. Mike and I have to wage every day too. Everyone does. Our sin is inside of us. Yeah. We have to put to death our sin, mm-hmm. and that starts with. No excuses, which is the next thing. Victim mentality and excuses. You cannot make excuses. You have to begin to tell yourself, I am responsible for what I want, what I desire, and what I do. Mm-hmm. I am responsible. I'm responsible for running towards Christ, and I'm responsible for satisfying my flesh. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for it, right? Yeah. Make no excuses. I say this a lot to um, to to married couples when they when I do premarital. Take divorce off the table. Don't even, like, it's not even an option. So therefore, you will fight to to grow in Christ and grow together as a couple. There'll be no reason, no excuse to get divorced. Same thing with pornography. If you take it off the table, it is not an option for me. I'm not allowed to look at it. I'll make a covenant with my eyes in my mind. Therefore, when that temptation hits, the only... The only option that you have is to flee at that point and yeah. to make no provision. Yeah, and that's always the command in Scripture, flee. Yeah. Just run away. Resolve. Resolve right. in your mind. I'm not going to do it. So right. therefore, when I see it, I got one choice. Go away. Run. Like, run. you know, again, in the Old Testament, a graphic yeah. illustration, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, right? Exactly. He took off running. He just, right. oh, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. But the point is, is that right. he fleed. He yeah. ran. Yeah, he got out of there. Yeah. Number three, self-pity. Self-pity is a way to allow these things to grow in your life. Self-pity. I can't, I'm just not good enough. I just can't help it. I don't, I'm never going to get rid of this. You know what self-pity is? I call it reverse pride. You desire to be good enough on your own and you know that you're not. And so you lay underneath that excuse of sin to allow sin to rule and reign. And it's not trusting and believing in the promises of God. Yeah. It's not, it's not humility. If you are someone who struggles with self-pity, let me just tell you something that will help you. You're not humble, you're prideful. Mm-hmm. Humility says, I'm going to draw near to you, God, because I trust you. And I'm going to fight because you're, you're worth it. You're worth worship. And I'm going to give you all of my worship. Mm-hmm. That's humility. And humility brings about confidence. Confidence mm-hmm. in God, not yourself. Mm-hmm. So self-pity. Blame shifting. It's another one. Blame shifting. Well, I just can't help it. Uh it just pops up on my computer if I didn't have this stupid computer. You know, if, if I do this, I'm I'm at the gym. These girls are just wearing this. I mean, if they yeah. wouldn't wear their stuff, these girls, like, it is no one else's fault. But Adam yours. said, God, it's this wife you gave me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Eve said, it's the serpent. She made me do it, or he mm-hmm. made me do it, right? And last but not least, and this one's going to be one that uh, I think most would, would not think about, but being overly introspective. Mm being overly introspective. Proverbs 1.7 says, the beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You don't even have knowledge until you fear the Lord. Right. So this idea of 
trying to diagnose yourself and figure out yourself and figure out why you do what you do and all this kind of stuff is uh, exercise in futility, and it only breeds more sin. Mm. What you need to do is understand what God says about you, trust what he says, and do what he says. Yeah, It's not about you, and you are not wise. God is wise. Yeah, It's as simple as that. So the fear of the Lord is a submission to him, which brings about humility, mm-hmm. right? Mike, any thoughts on those? I mean, as I was listening, I, I certainly, you know, could identify areas where in the past, certainly that was me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, people in general, myself included, in our flesh, we will find the path of least resistance and go there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the thing about the truth is it doesn't move, mm-hmm. right? So every time we come up against it, boom, we just hit it and we bounce off and <laughs> go, oh, and okay, I'm going to try to hit it again. Boom, I'm bouncing right. off. You have to submit to the truth. You have to confess. Right. I mean, it's just it starts with confession. It There's, starts with admitting that, yeah, what God says about me, He's right. That's right. actually the Greek definition of confession. <laughs> that's right. Is agreeing with what God says. Yeah. You know? So that's number one. Number two, when we agree with Him, that's not it. We have to figure out what does He require of us, mm-hmm. right? That's in the Word of God, right? Right. So we got we got to continue, like we yeah. always say, to renew our minds in the truth of Scripture. That's right. It's really not that complicated, right? God is not a God of confusion. He lays it out very clearly. Our sin confuses us, as you've heard heard me say. Sin makes you stupid. I think we're gonna make a T-shirt out of that's that. That's right. <laughs> sin makes you stupid. <laughs> but it's it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's foolishness. It's folly. It darkens our minds. And so when you're confused, like I don't know, I'm not sure if I can. Like, that is your sin. God is clear. Just read his word. He's very clear. And he tells you and gives you the promises that he will free you from it when you submit mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Galatians 5.1 is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It says it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. So one of the results of the gospel is that you will have freedom from sin. Mm-hmm. But then there's some implications. Stand firm, therefore. All right. So because Christ has set you free... Now you have the ability to stand firm. And we see all kinds of scriptures that help us understand how to do that. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, renew the mind. Right? There's all all kinds of scriptures. That's just a couple. Yeah. That talk about how to battle sin, right? To stand firm in the belief and the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Because here's what can happen. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Yeah. Even in Christ, if you do not stand firm and trust in the gospel, the freedom that you have found will go away and you will submit again to a yoke of slavery, your sin. I want to just illustrate um, something along the lines of that overly introspective Mm -hmm. statement that you made, and then we'll we'll move on. We'll have to finish this off uh, at the end of letter C and D here, Chad, because our time's running out. But I want to read from Luke chapter 17. Now, this is our Lord teaching his disciples mm-hmm. um, on a different topic, on forgiveness. But the principle, and I think the response to the overly introspective person or the mm-hmm. response to the individual who says, I need more faith, right? I just can't trust God. With, I need more faith, right? Right. Here's Jesus' response. I'll read from uh, chapter 17, verse 3, all the way through verse 10. I'll make some comments. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. 
And the apostles responded to the Lord and said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Will, it, will any one of you who has a slave plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the slave because he did what he was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy slaves. Mm -hmm. We have only done what was our duty. Now, at first glance, this can seem a little disjointed, but understand that Jesus is telling his disciples that they need to forgive endlessly. As long as the repentance is sincere, they need to forgive. Mm -hmm. Now, rightfully so, the apostles say, well, increase our faith, God. I can't do this, right? That's what they say. Mm -hmm. From a fleshly perspective, this is quite burdensome. Oh, yeah. From a fleshly perspective who wants, you know, the flesh wants to be dignified and it wants to be told, hey, man, you're the one, man. It's all about you. You're the best looking dude. You're the most smart person. You're the best, you know, on and so on and so forth. That seems almost impossible from a yeah. fleshly perspective. <laughs> and the Lord says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you know what you could do with that? Mm -hmm. He's like, look, <laughs> he uses this example of the slave. Look, you don't need more faith. You right. just need to be an obedient slave. Right. That's what you need to do. Right. You need to implement the instructions that I have given you. You don't need anything else. You've been given everything for life and for godliness through right. me. You have been well-equipped beyond your own even understanding. You have more than you know. Yeah. It's not a matter of you, you're lacking anything. It's a matter of you wanting to be obedient right. and you actually loving me. Mm -hmm. So that's a good illustration of, of kind of what we're getting at here is it's like, the Lord's commands are quite clear, quite simple. If you are in Christ, then mm. you have the treasuries of heaven at your disposal. Right. Understand, it's not a matter of you lacking the necessary things to accomplish the mission at hand. It's your unwillingness to forgive. In that case, it's your unwillingness to repent in this case. That's absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, as you said, we our time is coming to a close. Let's finish with a couple sections here. The first section is, here are the truths about the lust mindset and the sin that it'll lead to. So here are the truths that if you have this lust mindset, it's, it's what's going to go on in your heart and it's what the sin is going to lead to. Number one, it's a failure to worship God. It's a failure to worship God. And number two, it, it brings about an ungrateful heart. Romans 1 21 says this for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened so those first two things is it's going to lead to a failure to worship God and an ungrateful heart towards God then what it's going to do is it's going to bring about an introduction to sexual sin mm. Proverbs 3 31 and 32 do not envy a man of violence do not choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Um, next, we see repeating the experience of sexual sin. So you're introduced to it, 
And then you begin to repeat the experience of it. It says Proverbs ten twenty three: Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Mm. So doing wrong becomes something that you're just okay with. Yeah, you begin to experience it. Yeah, Proverbs twenty six eleven says, "Like a dog that returns to his vomit is mm-hmm. a fool who repeats his folly." Right, which leads to that next one: repeating the experience of that sexual sin. So you're introduced, you experience it, and then you start to repeat it. You then, develop a routine, it says. Then you develop a routine or a ritual of your sexual sin after that. So that we and see this so progression. True. We that's see so this, true. We see this progression into slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Developing that routine. Um, it becomes like part of your day. You know, you just, right. it just, and then you, at that point, the conscience becomes seared. Absolutely. At that point, it's, it's part of my routine. And routines happen. Mm-hmm. I learned something about routines the other day. Chad, I think I'll interject at this point. Please. Is that routines are unconscious activities yeah you just do them because they're part of your routine Mm -hmm. but they don't start out as unconscious activities no they start fully aware of what Mm -hmm. you're doing you make a deliberate choice to do it Mm -hmm. but you begin to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again and then the conscience becomes seared a little bit more seared a little bit more seared 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 burnt Right. And you don't even realize you're just doing it. It's unconscious at that point. It becomes automatic. doesn't mean you're not morally culpable. Right. You are. You are guilty, as a matter right. of fact. But that's an example of the conscience being Absolutely. seared, which they talk about in First, Second Timothy, all throughout the New Testament. Absolutely. And then that leads to what you're talking about. You become dominated by your sexual sin. Mm. It becomes your lifestyle. It becomes enslavement to it. Second Peter, he says... In 14, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls, and they have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Mm. Just dominated by it. And I'll, I just will say one one comment on and on the bondage of the will, which I know mm. is a large topic. But if you're not in Christ, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're not in Christ, mm-hmm. you are not able to choose anything that will please God. Yeah. You're you're incapable of it. Your will mm-hmm. is already in bondage to sin. That mm-hmm. happened at the fall, right? The only way that any hope can be given to you is through Christ. That's right. So I would encourage you, listener, right now, like if you're not a like you're not a believer, right? And you might go, okay, well, I'm just gonna like change my behavior because I know this thing is morally mm-hmm. wrong, right? And and let's say you have some semblance of what we would call as a Christian's conviction. I'm just gonna change my behavior. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. You might transfer your likeness for one particular sin right. to another particular sin, but you are free to choose your sin. That's what that's what the bondage of the will means. You cannot choose anything that is pleasing to God. Your will must be liberated from the bondage and slavery to sin that it's currently in. The only way that that happens is the, through the one who called himself the way, the truth, and the life, the one right. who said that he was the narrow gate. Nobody comes to the Father Absolutely. except through him. That is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And here's a scary point, but we see it in Scripture. So if you're like, oh, man, that's me. Okay. Um, one thing that can happen as well we see in Scripture is God will give you over to your sexual sin. Mm-hmm. He'll give you over to it. We see that in Romans 1, 24. I read Romans 1 earlier. Do you have that, Mike? I got Romans 1. It's it's in uh, verse 24. 21, it's 21 in verse 26. 24. It's in verse 28. Right. right? And there's this, this, this degradation, right? And there's this, mm-hmm. this regression here. So... I can read the whole thing if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So the beginning, it says here, Romans 1, 24, Therefore, 
because they exchanged the worship of the creator mm -hmm. for the worship of the created things. Right. It says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity. The giving up of God is called the wrath of abandonment. Mm -hmm. He gave them up to the, to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie mm -hmm. and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is forever blessed, amen. Mm -hmm. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Remember yeah. 2019, according to that one statistic, the number one search term was lesbian. Mm -hmm. So this is what this is talking about. Yep. God gave them up to the dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due, the due penalty for their error. Some would say that that would be AIDS. I would say that would be every STD that is, yep. that is here. And the final one, as says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, mm -hmm. evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, right. strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors mm. of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Absolutely. And so um, thank you for reading that. So that's just something for us to be mindful of, and, and there's a danger to that. Uh, we'll end with this. How, the mindset that leads to repentance. And James 4 is where I'm going to go with this uh, to, to send us off. And then next time we'll come back and talk more about the right views of lust and, and some mm -hmm. different things mm -hmm. and, and even some helpful tools to get out of it. But yeah. I want to leave you with this. James 4, starting in verse 6, says, But God gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, and we've established that this is due to pride, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Hmm. So the, the environment, the mental environment that will lead to killing the flesh is honesty about sin. Agree with God about your sin. Take responsibility, own it, repent of it, mm -hmm. and agree with God about lust and put it off and, and cling to the truths of God's word and run to God. Those are the things that are going to lead to freedom from the bondage and slavery of sinful uh, and sexual immorality. Your sin can be paid for one of two ways. Mm -hmm. You can try to pay for it at, at the time of your death which the Bible tells us that um, is impossible. our bank account has insufficient funds. Or you can go to another who has the sufficient bank account, so mm -hmm. to speak, and this is Jesus Christ. The debt that you owe to, to God for your sin mm -hmm. is insurmountable for you to pay. Right. Jesus took the certificate of debt 
that you owed and nailed it to a cross in the form of his body. He paid that penalty. When he got up there and said, it is finished, that was an accounting term. It is paid in full. The debt has been paid. Mm-hmm. Will you receive it? It is a gift of God. Mm-hmm. It is not something that you can work your way up to right. achieving. Right. It, is, it is an insurmountable amount of debt. Yeah. But there is one who has paid it for you if right. you will choose to receive it. Mm-hmm. We pray for the lost every day because such were some such for some of us yeah such were some of us and but, i'm speaking from a place of experience i mm-hmm. before christ and even for a time after christ struggled with pornography mm-hmm. uh i spent my younger years sleeping around i was one of these statistics as was i right but god in his grace and his mercy saved me and he has freed me not without a lot of fighting right but I'm here to tell you that it is not true that you cannot flee from this and become someone who is no longer enslaved and habitually in this sin. Because mm-hmm. it's been now 14 years for me since I've looked at pornography last. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's all because of grace and because of Christ and because of um, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to leave this podcast with the words from first John chapter one, verses eight, nine, and through chapter two, verses one and two. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if and when anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The gospel call goes out to the four corners of the world. Will you receive it? Mm -hmm. We hope that you do. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.